I was a little worried that maybe you thought that that was all like real and like we really believe that, but I'm glad you recognized it was a joke. The congregation, the first service, got it a little better than you did, but that's that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I'm talking to you today about the giants that we have in our life, and um, I'm not just talking about. flesh and blood giants, because I think probably there's very few of us that have any of those in our lives. Um, But I'm talking about giants as a sort of a metaphor for the difficulties, the struggles, the problems that each and every one of us faces. And these giants come in all sort of shapes and sizes. It might be a financial giant in your life. It might be a a, a physical or a, a health giant, health issue that you're dealing with. Um, perhaps it's a temptation, uh, a habit, uh, an addiction. I don't know, but I, I know that every one of us faces giants on a relatively regular basis. And here's the thing about giants is that, um, as this video clip just demonstrated to us, it, it, giants frighten us. And they cause despair, and they make us feel like giving up. They make us feel like quitting. They make us feel like, oh, well, there's no use trying, so I'm not going to bother trying anymore. Uh, If you're here this morning, and you feel like that, you're facing a giant in your life, and you just feel like, oh, what's the use of even trying? What's the use of even carrying on? I want you to know today that giants love to frighten and cause despair and cause you to give up. They want to frighten you and, and paralyze you. And that word paralyze probably is a great word to describe how so many of us feel when we're facing the difficulties that we face. I want to tell you the story about David. And everybody here today knows the story of the shepherd boy David. I, I, I think most of us know it anyway. And we know the story about how David faced down the giant, Goliath. Now, I want you to know something today. Most of us, when we think about David and the giants he faced, automatically we think, oh yeah, it was Goliath. But how many know today that Goliath was in fact just one of the many giants that David had to face? Goliath was was actually a small giant compared to some of the bigger giants that he would face later on in his life. And some of you know the story. You know that David eventually goes on to become king. Well, now I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me just back up a bit and tell you the story. David, young boy, one of the youngest in the family, he uh, has been commissioned by his father to go take care of the sheep. And so David, as a boy, is off in the wilderness all by himself, taking care of his, dad, of his dad's flock of sheep. And that's his job. And he's out there day in and day out. Got nobody out there with him. He's got his harp out there. And here's the thing that, that, that happens is David is alone. Without family, friends, his parents, or anybody around. He's out there and he starts to develop, listen to this, he starts to develop a relationship with God. And he begins to write songs. And he becomes very prolific in his songwriting, as we see in the Psalms. Many written by David himself through the course of his life. But it was there in the wilderness where he developed this deep relationship with God. One day, someone 
comes to get him from the wilderness, from the, wilderness, from the backside of, uh, of the country. And um, they say, David, you're, you're wanted at home. It's unusual for David because David's supposed to stay out weeks on end, taking care of those sheep. He comes home, and lo and behold, it's the prophet Samuel who's standing there. And uh, Samuel says, David, you're the one. I'm going to anoint you with oil. You're going to become the next king of Israel. David's like, what, me? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Look, are you sure it's me, not my older brother Eliab? I mean, he's older and better looking and brighter and taller and in better physical condition. He's, he's, he's king material. And uh, no, no, David, you're the one. David is anointed with oil, and his dad says, okay, back to the wilderness with you. <laughs> and off he goes, back to the backside, taking care of the sheep again, and back to playing the, playing the harp again, and, and nothing happens. And I'm sure that David must have been scratching his head, thinking, well, what was that all about? <laughs> Strange. Can I just say something before we go any further? For many of us, we think that the Christian life is living from mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience. That's not the reality, my friends. Because it's in the valleys. It's in, the, it's in those times when it seems God is silent, when nothing exciting is happening, that your character is being developed. That God is doing a work in your heart in that secret place where no one's around. And that's precisely, my friends, what happened to David. Nobody was around. He was out there taking care of the sheep and fighting off lions and fighting off bears and, and fighting off uh, all sorts of other creatures that were threatening his flock. And he didn't think there was anything remarkable about it. He was just doing his job. But what he didn't know is that, in fact, there was something very remarkable about that. In fact, what he discovered, my friends, is that God was busy and at work in his life. Now, here's the thing. One day... Servant comes out to get David again, says, David, your dad wants you. And David's like, now what? Last time I got called in, I became the king. What's next? The emperor? I don't know. He gets back, his dad says, look, I want you to go check on your brothers to see if they're okay. Would you go check on them? They're supposed to be fighting the Philistines, and I, I just want to make sure they're okay, that they're safe, and, and make sure they don't need anything. And so David goes, and with his food under his arms, he's ready to feed his brothers. And uh, when he gets there, he sees that nobody's doing anything. This, the army of, of Israel just sort of standing there doing nothing. And there's the enemies, the Philistines, they're across the valley, and they're not doing anything. Everybody's quiet and kind of fearful, and David's scratching his head. I can't figure out what's going on. I mean, when, when armies come together, they're supposed to do what? They're supposed to fight, but they're not. And then David gets up a little closer to the, to the front lines to see what's happening out there. And lo and behold, he sees this massive, massive man. His name, he finds out, is Goliath. And Goliath is uttering these threats. Listen to what he says. This is what Goliath says. He says, choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects, and you will serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man, and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistine's words, 
King Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 8 to 11. You can turn to 1 Samuel 17 if you want to. Follow along. David hears this. And something within him gets stirred up. Anybody remember Popeye? What's he doing? I love that. One whole can of spinach in one gulp. That's the way I eat, actually, all the time. And he says, what, what, is, what does he say? It's all I can stand and I can't. You, you know that, don't you? That was David. He was, he was right ticked off now because his God was being challenged by this wicked, uncircumcised Philistine. Now his brother Eliab, the elder brother, he, he uh, sees David and he's, he's jealous of David. He's angry at jealous. What are you doing, what, uh, David? David, what are you doing here? Go back to tending your sheep, you conceited little brat. How dare you come up here? You're just, you know what older brothers are like. Mine was like that. It's terrible. Don't, I'm glad he doesn't come to this church. <laughs> Thought I couldn't talk about him. And don't tell anybody. Don't tell him about that, would you? Please. So, yeah, so his brother's really ragging on him. And uh, David says, I could take this guy on. Ha, I could take him on. And all those soldiers are looking, because he's short. He looked, down, he looked down at him. You've got to be kidding but one of the soldiers is really impressed with this kid, and he says, you know, I'm going to go tell Saul about this. This is amazing, because nobody else wants to fight him. And we've been at this for 40 days now. That's right, for 40 days, this Philistine standing in the valley, threatening and challenging Israel. And so someone runs to the king, to King Saul, and says, King Saul, guess what? There's a kid that's willing to go and fight Goliath. King Saul says, did you say kid? Well, yeah, he's a kid. He's just a, he's a, he's a young kid. But, man, you know what? I mean, he's got... He's got lots of chutzpah. I think that, that's Jewish, isn't it? I think that he could, I think he could do this. And so, and so guess what happens? Saul, King Saul calls David in and says, look, I'm going to get you set up so you can go and fight uh, Goliath. I mean, I think it's wonderful that you're doing this. So he gets out his, he gets out his tunic, puts it on David, then puts on his, his uh, bronze helmet, then puts on his armor, gives him his sword. And David's, he's a kid, right? So he's like, oh man, I can't even walk with this stuff on. How am I supposed to fight a giant? So David says, you know what? I can't do this. He takes it off. It's just not me. Takes off the armor, puts down the sword. Says, look, I got my sling with me. You just see a kid walking around, you know, no shoes on, pants rolled up. Got a slingshot hanging out of his back pocket. Hair's messy, freckles. Grass in his mouth, picking his teeth. I can fight this guy. Bring him on. You know, Saul is so desperate. He says, you know, okay, I'll send this kid, whatever. David goes and uh, runs out to the giant. Listen to this. This is hilarious. Oh, first Samuel chapter 17, he goes this. He says, he runs out to the giant, out to Goliath. And this is what he says. He says to, to Goliath, he says, today. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands.
Dave, Dave has just challenged the, the armies of the Philistines and Goliath and said, I'm going to feed you all to the birds of the air. And the, the Philistine army all bursts out laughing. Oh, that's the funniest thing we've heard in 40 days. This is hilarious. And the, and the armies of Israel are like, oh, my goodness. Oh, why did he have to say that? Oh, we look like a bunch of morons here. Well, you know the story. David's running out, and Goliath now has been shined on. Come on. Did you see David? Come on. And Goliath, he's like mad. He's mad. Look what the Bible says. It says, he said, Goliath says to David, he says, Am I a dog? Did you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you the flesh. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David says, yeah, yeah, come on. Then prove it. And he bends over, picks up five stones, pulls out his slingshot, loads up. Could have had a V8. (laughs) Down goes Goliath. David's not surprised. He didn't say, oh, it worked. It's like he was expecting that. And some people say, well, if David was expecting that, why did he take four other stones? Why did he pick up five stones? I'll tell you why. Because if you know your Bible, you know that, that Goliath had four other brothers. There are five of them. You didn't know that. And he was worried that maybe the other four would show up. <laughs> And if they were going to show up, he had one stone with their name on it. You see what I'm talking about? He's hunting giants. He's a giant hunter. David puts the the big boy down. And since he doesn't have a sword on him, he just says, well, I'll use the Philistine sword. Picks up Goliath's sword, chops off his head, picks up the, the head by the hair. It says, gotcha. <laughs> and then the Bible says the Philistines just took off like crazy. They ran for their lives. And that day, God was glorified as David slew the giant. Now you look at that and you think, oh, that is extraordinary. That's amazing. That's miraculous. You know, that was once in a lifetime. No, you know what? I want to tell you something, my friends. This is, this is the life that God wants for you and for me. He wants you and me to be giant hunters and giant slayers. Now, I'm not talking about flesh and blood. Like I'm not saying, go hunt down Andre the giant, let him have it. Although I think he's gone now, isn't he? Passed away, yeah. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the problems, the issues, the struggles that you're facing in your life right now. God wants you to be as the Apostle Paul put it, more than conquerors through Christ. And so this morning, I want you to recognize how, in fact, David was able to conquer this giant and all the other giants that were to come, and he had many. And so here's the thing, the very first thing that we recognize is that David had a heart for God. Did you know that? And before you and I are ever, ever, 
ever going to be able to conquer giants in our lives, the very first thing that has to happen is that God has got to get a hold of your heart. God has to have your heart. He needs to own your heart. You need to give your heart to him. Or you will be the one that's constantly conquered by the giants in your life. This is the thing about David. And so I, I, I want to illustrate this point by the two very prominent men in, in David's life. First of all is King Saul. And you know the story about King Saul, the very first king of Israel. He was a miserable failure. He, would, he just tried to do everything in his own power, according to his own wisdom, his own strength. He never checked with God first. And if he did check with God first, he never did what God said. And so Samuel, the prophet at that time, responsible for communicating between God, has sort of acted as a mediator between the king and God. He, he's frustrated with, with Saul. He's just had it. And he comes to King Saul, and, and time and time again, it says, like, when are you going to get it, Saul? You can't do just whatever you want. You've got to do what God wants you to do if you're going to be victorious, if you're going to have success in your life. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today. If you want to know success and God's help and God's strength and God's power at work in your life to make you successful, then my friends, what you've got to learn to do is learn to give your heart to God and allow him to have control of your heart and life. Finally, God has had it with King Saul. Saul, in his arrogant, disobedient ways, he sends Samuel to Saul with this message. And Samuel says this to Saul, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. And it was right after that that Samuel went and anointed king, anointed young David to be king. Why? Because Saul was not a man after God's own heart. Now let me remind you of, of Eliab. The other in, prominent person in David's life in these early years Eliab was David's eldest brother. And you remember the story. Samuel comes to the house. He sees Eliab and goes, oh, my goodness. What a handsome guy. So Gloria said when she first saw me. <laughs> Samuel said, this has got to be the guy. He's tall. He's good looking. He's physically fit. He's a soldier. Here's a man that would make a great king. And listen to what God says to Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. It says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. I've refused Eliab. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. Because if you're going to be a giant slayer, if you're going to be one who is a conqueror, victorious, overcoming the giants in your life, the very first thing that has to happen is that God has got to get a hold of your heart. You've got to say, God, I give you my heart. God, I surrender to you my heart so that you have control and you can lead me difference between King Saul and David and the eldest brother Eliab and David is that Saul and Eliab tried to advance 
their own agenda without God. And that's what so many of us as Christians do. We try to advance. We try to get ahead. We try to succeed. We try to climb the ladder. We try to, to make it without God. You say, but I, I go to church, Pastor. I pray. I, I sing songs. I listen to CHVN. That's got to count for something. CHVN is a Christian station in Winnipeg, in case you don't know. That's got to count for something. I've got, I've got bumper stickers that say, God is my co-pilot. That's got to count for something. I've got a fish on the back of my car. That must mean something that I'm spiritual. My friend, you know what? These are all outward trappings. And it's, I believe, Satan's way of deceiving us and making us believe that we've got it all together. My friends, what God needs is your heart. And when God's got your heart, guess what happens? There's nothing that you and God cannot do together. But that's the starting point. He's got to have your heart. And we'll never be victorious until our hearts fully belong to God. And this morning, if you're here, and you know it's been a while since you really enjoyed the presence of God and had a real experience with God, then the Spirit of God speaking to you, and by His grace and by His mercy, is calling you back into relationship with Him where you enjoy Him once again. You know, you can pray. I had so many people, you know, Pastor, pray for me. I'm in trouble. I pray for that person, and I... And I know that, that nothing's going to happen because God doesn't have a hold of his or her heart. If you want God to work on your behalf and if you want God to, 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 to make you victorious, then the very first thing you need to do is say, God, I'm giving you my heart. I'm getting back on track with you. And now that I'm back on track with you, God, here's what I need. And I'm going to tell you, that's when you begin to see miracles take place in your life. But not until God's got your heart. That's just the way it is. And so we see David, whose heart belongs to God. We see David as a young man full of confidence from God. Get this picture. Goliath, booming voice. His voice so grand, so great, so strong, so powerful so deep that you can actually hear it across the valley. That's a scary voice. That's a voice that shakes you when you're standing right beside him. Here's a man nine feet tall, his armor weighing 150 pounds, and it says that his spear, his spear tip, the tip on the end of his spear, weighed 15 pounds. I mean, I could hardly wait lift 15 pounds. This guy's picking, him, picking it up, and he's hurling it at people. And here he is insulting and challenging for 40 days. And then you see David. And the Bible says that Goliath, in verse 42, looks at, at David. And, he, and, and this is what it says. He, Goliath looked at David and saw that he was only a boy. Now here's David. The king tried to put armor on him and tried to give him a sword. But all he's got is his little slingshot and his shepherd's staff. And five stones. Now listen to this. Listen to this. What Goliath could not see, and what Saul, King Saul, could not see, and what eldest brother Eliab could not see, and what the Philistine army couldn't see, and what the Israelite army could not see, was David's invisible secret weapon. 
he had God on his side. My friends, this is what gives this boy, David, his confidence to face life head on. Because he knew that he knew that he knew that he was not walking alone. I've had people say to me, Pastor, just want you to know, we're behind you. Way behind you. (laughs) That's not God. God is right with you. In fact, Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send to you the comforter. Do what that word in the Greek is. It's paraclete. The paraclete's coming. You know what paraclete means? It means the, the alongside one. He's with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, there he is. Never leaving you nor forsaking you. God is with you. And this is the confidence that David has. Why? Because, first of all, God has his heart. And so David also knows that God has his back. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Because a thing that gives you confidence to face life head on with whatever problem, with, with whatever struggle or difficulty you're facing, the thing that gives you confidence to face life straight on is that you know that you know that you know that God is with you. And some of you are here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I'm not always sure that God is with me. Well, if you're not sure that God is with you, then there's a reason for that. And it's probably because you need to go back to the first point. God has not got your heart. But when God's got your heart, and when you surrender your heart to God, then guess what? You know with confidence that God has got your back, and you have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. And so this is why David says in verse 45, can you back up a sec there? David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This is the This is the confidence that David has. He knows that he has come with God. God is at his back. Do you know, we we all face giants in our life. I remember we were doing this building program. And uh, it had been some time since I'd had a a vacation with a family. I'd been working 12, 16-hour days every day for months. And uh, most people here know that I like to go to Banff every year. And driving out to Banff, oh, it's the most wonderful experience of my life. Just love that, love the feeling every single year. Gloria and I talk about it. She'd say, once in a while when we're feeling tired, Gloria will say, don't you wish we were driving off to Banff right now? It's so tempting just to do that sometimes, just get away. Well, if driving out to Banff is the best part of my year, then coming back is probably the most difficult part of the year. And I remember, especially during the building program, we were on our way home, and we stopped to stay in Swift Current for the night. And uh, got up in the morning, and I thought, oh, last leg of the journey, got to go home and face the building program again, all my pressures and stresses and responsibilities. And I turned the TV on, and there was a choir singing a hymn. And I don't remember all the words to that hymn. I don't remember who the choir is. I don't know where it came from. I just remember this. I remember the words... Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. And I just, I broke down. I I began to to weep in the presence of God as I recognized that I was not facing this alone. I had God on my side. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. And I got to tell you that I got in the car, 
still wish I was going back to Banff, but I had joy in my heart knowing that I was going back and I was not facing it alone. When we went to buy this building, we saw the agent. The agent said, are you willing to make an offer? Yes. At that point, the Safeway had dropped this price of 550000 Some of you know the story very well. And um, we told the agent, yes, we were ready to make an offer. And the agent said, what are you willing to offer? He said, well, we're actually willing to offer the full amount, 550000 The agent said, well, that's amazing. Nobody does that. But I said, but there's a, there's a um, bit of a caveat here. We, we would like Safeway to give us a donation of 400000 uh, <laughs> And then we would be willing to pay the full price for this building. Well, this little real estate agent is so arrogant and so rude and treated us like we were like total idiots, stupid. You, you can't do that. And who do you think you are in churches and God and you nutcases and, you know, you know that kind of... Anybody ever been treated like that before? And Safeway said, yes, <laughs> they would do that. Well, I wish I would have taken a picture of that agent's face when he came back to us <laughs> to say, uh, well... <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about eating humble pie. The look on his face when he came back to say, they accepted. Suddenly he was looking at me like I was a real savvy, smart, bright businessman who knew how to deal with the big boys. Mr. Duncav, they did accept your offer. It's brilliant. It was really good. Just so happy for you. No more arrogance. No more pride. But what an idiot I would have been to say, see? See how brilliant I was? No. i got to say with David, you come against me with sword, spear, javelin, strategies, business plans, preconceived ideas and notions, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. That real estate agent had a lesson that day on who God was and the power of Almighty God when he's at your back. I'm going to tell you something. That was just the beginning of many giants that I would face as I deal with the building program. Just the beginning of the many giants that I'd face in my life. And guess what? What God has done for me, he wants to do for you. What God did for David, he wants to do for you. He wants you to be victorious in Jesus' name. That's what the Bible is all about. It's all about victory. It's all about overcoming. It's all about persevering. It's all about going on and not giving up. And some of you here today are ready to throw in the towel. Wow. Some of you know, maybe know, Don's uncle, Joe Sharp. Not a church-going man, but always gave a little bit of money. This is when we were on Elgin, and we were just about just to 16 people or less. He'd always leave me a turkey at Christmas time and uh, put a little bit of money in the offering. And one day, he, he discovered that we were going to buy the Safeway. And he came to me, and he said, Pastor Duncalf, are you nuts? How do you answer a question like that, by the way? Uh, yes. <laughs> 
He said to this, he made a prediction, a prophecy, if you will. He said, you're going to get that Safeway building and you will not be able to afford to run it and it will be converted into a funeral home. And this, by the way, is no reflection on Don. But that's Uncle Joe Sharp, a man who knew how to speak his mind. Now, the irony of it all, my friends, is that it was a funeral home for a day because when Uncle Joe Sharp passed away, he was buried out of this church. Let the irony of that sink in. And God came through. And although everybody said, it can't be done, you'll never conquer that giant, God came through. And I'm going to tell you something. That's exactly what God wants to do in your life. And so we have David, whose heart belongs to God. We have David, full of confidence and able to face whatever life throws at him. And here's what David knew. He understood that the battle that he was facing belonged to the Lord. And you know what? The battle you're facing right now belongs to the Lord. You're, you're, I, I don't know what your battle is. I know for some of you what your battle is. But I'm going to tell you this. It belongs to the Lord. Here's the neat thing. Is that when you became a Christian, when God said, come and follow me, when God said, come and give me your heart and give me your life and give me all that you have, entrust it all to me and let me be your Lord, guess what? He also asked for all of your problems and your struggles and your battles as well. And guess what, my friends? God wants not just your heart and not just the things that you own, but he also wants your problems and your battles. And David understood that it belongs to the Lord. It's not my battle. And this is why he was able to go in the power of God, because he understood that with him and guiding his hand would be God himself. I love what David says to Saul in verse 34. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. Wow. Struck it and then I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. Was this David just psyching himself up? I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> Was that what, is that what this is about? This is not, we're not talking about WWF. You know, where Andre the Giant gets up and says, oh, I'm going to kill that guy, I'm going to break his legs, and after that I'm going to get the... You know, it's not, not what we're talking about here, friends. We're talking about David who understands who God is. And that's why David says to, the, to, to King Saul, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. It's a reality for him. The battle is the Lord's. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what's happened to your faith? What's happened to your own walk with God? And do you hear the Spirit of God calling you and saying, trust me? Because the Spirit of God is here today saying that to you right now. You say, Pastor, I'm in a battle right now, and it looks like I'm losing. Oh, it might look like you're losing. I mean, look at... Israel, for 40 days, they had that guy, that Philistine, threatening, challenging, insulting. And it looked like they were losing. But again, I tell you this this morning, the battle is not over yet. The struggle is not over yet. And my Bible tells me that we are more than conquerors through Christ. 
Do when David was in the backside of the wilderness. He wrote all kinds of psalms and he sang songs to the Lord. And uh, I want to share with you Psalm 18 to close, written by David. And it says that he sang to the Lord the words of this song, Psalm 18. He sang the words of the, of the song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 50, So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a word, sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And so can you. So can you. By the power of God. Let's take a look at that video clip. 